The reputation of the mafia was they did not bother honest officials. I grew up with the belief that the mafia would never even come around me because I'm not going to break the law. It never occurred to me that the mafia would put a contract out on me. For 25 years, Paul Gaines has been the prosecuting attorney in Mahoning County. It's a job he's held on to through elections, regime changes, and even death threats. The people of Youngstown keep voting for Paul Gaines because once upon a time, he was something of an anomaly here. An honest public official who proved it in one of the hardest ways imaginable. Gaines's story begins in the early 70s, when he became a beat cop in the Youngstown Police Department. I wanted to be a cop because cops help people. That was my motivation. That wasn't everyone's motivation in the police department at that time. And it didn't take long for Gaines to figure that out. I would start out my shift at midnight. And the first thing I would do is I would go up to Market Street. I wouldn't tag all of the cars that were illegally parked, but the ones that were actually creating traffic hazards, in my opinion, I would start tagging them. And I remember getting called in by one of the captains telling me, do not put tickets on the cars at this certain location. I mean, I knew the bar owners. I knew that they were tied to organized crime. I mean, that's just the way it was. Gaines got put onto B-turn, which meant working the graveyard shift in a patrol car. By this time, rumors were rampant. That was the bad turn. I remember working with another cop who was one of the decent guys, and he's sleeping. An alarm drop goes off at Doc's radio and TV. So I'm heading toward the call. And he woke up and he said, we're not going on that call. We're not going to respond to it. And I said, why not? He says, you'll learn. Just turn the car around and let's go. Gaines learned what happened later, when 13 cops from B-Turn were arrested. Five former patrolmen convicted in the so-called police burglary ring presented their cases. They were burglarizing places. It's just unbelievable. As it turns out, many people in the police department knew what was going on. Chief Baker was informed of the police burglaries 18 months prior to their eventual exposure. It left a very bad taste in my mouth. With so much corruption around him, Gaines felt powerless to do anything about it. After all, he was just a lowly patrolman. But he became popular with honest cops. And to his surprise, he was elected president of the police union. He learned that the rank-and-file policemen needed a raise. It had been years since they'd even had a contract. And to make matters worse, the mayor was in the pocket of the mob. And so was the police chief. And they had little interest in giving the cops a raise or enforcing the law. The town is wide open. All the cheat spots are going. It was just, it was crazy. And many good cops on the force were tired of it. And the patrolmen were really aggravated about it, the men who were working the turns. So Gaines organized a strike. Here comes YTD now. Night one on the police picket line. This time, cops were united. And we had cruisers and radios. 
because if you know somebody called a serious crime a shooting or a stabbing or a robbery my guys would jump in the cruiser and go respond the citizens were still being protected ypd rookies were able to cool the crowd and protect the public youngstown cops have learned to live with the public's bad perception of the department police scandals and brutality charges have been well publicized and out on the picket line the patrolmen were saying things to the news cameras the cops in Youngstown didn't usually say. That the mayor and police chief were enabling the mob. Joey Naples had influence over the police department. The last thing they want is for a wildcat strike to go on when the patrolmen are telling the media, this town's wide open, this is, you know, and that's exactly what was happening. Gaines was making waves. It didn't take long for the higher-ups in the police department in City Hall to notice. It was on St. Patrick's Day, and I was at this St. Patrick's Day party, and uh, I was approached by a member of the vice squad. He said, hey, Paul, I want to talk to you. So he took me outside. He actually patted me down, and he found a recorder. So he stripped it, you know, took the tape out of it. He said... Paul, look, you know what's going on. You've got to accept the nickel an hour. That's what they were offering. And I said, what if I don't? And he said, well, you can get hurt. I said, well, okay. Let me think about it. There's no thinking about that. There's a lot of pressure on you to kind of look away and you're working with these guys, and you rely upon them. I mean, you know, you get in a fight, <laughs> you've got to rely on you know, them coming to your assistance. I decided that um, I've probably made so many enemies here that I don't know if I'm going to have a future here. But that's when I decided to go to law school. That decision was fateful. It put Paul Gaines in a position to change Mahoney County forever. But it also put him on a path that led right to the jaws of the mob. Maybe 90% of the people work around the city would have looked the other way. But you didn't look the other way. No, I didn't. And so here I am, because I didn't look the other way. I'm Mark Smerling, and this is Crooked City. Uh, Jeff Riddle's looking for you. That meant one, he wanted to kill you, or two, he needed you for something. He produced a handgun and shot me. Bernie Altshuler had these black drug dealers. Lenny was obviously angry at Ernie. They were plotting to kill him. Ernie Biondillo was surrounded by gunmen and shot in the back of his head. You never knew what Jeff was thinking. That son bitch, he had eyes as black as coal and a heart twice as dark. Chapter 12. No Place for an Honest Man. Scenes like this have become all too common in the city of Youngstown, a homicidal moment that left two innocent women dead. Violence has increased. 
the homicides are just through the roof. Some that live in this area say that for the first time, they're leery about leaving their homes. In 1989, Youngstown had 19 homicides. In 1990, Youngstown had 19 homicides. In 1991, Youngstown had 59 homicides. A more startling picture. Youngstown has roughly one murder for every 2,000 people. You know, everybody was saying, you know, why are we having so many? We don't have the answer. A county prosecutor at the time named James Philomena attributed it to the influx of crack cocaine. I didn't necessarily buy that. I'd been a policeman and I kind of knew the streets. After he left the police force and got his law degree, Paul Gaines became a defense attorney. I was in a murder trial in December of 1992. My client was out on bond and as we're walking out of the courthouse, he happens to say to me, Gaines, if I'd had $10,000, we wouldn't be here right now. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said that the prosecutor and attorney, James Philomena, was fixing cases, taking bribes. Ten grand, buy your way out of a murder. I didn't believe him. I just didn't believe him. The following March, I was representing a fellow who was charged with carjacking. He's telling me the same story. Same amount of money, buy your way out of a homicide. Wow. So then I started asking my clients. And they said, yeah, everybody knows. I mean, 10 grand is incredibly cheap to kill someone. The thugs knew they could buy their way out of an indictment. It impacted everybody in our community. Youngstown's murder rate climbed to 50 for the year. Murders are up across the country, and figures put Youngstown third for the overall murder rate. Of course, I couldn't prove that the cases were being fixed because none of these people would come forward. So, because nobody else would, I did. As a police officer, I've seen the war on our streets, the broken bodies of women and children. I've held innocent victims in my arms. In early 1996, Paul Gaines entered the race for Mahoning County Prosecutor. This is our last chance. Paul Gaines will be a full-time prosecutor. He squared off against the incumbent. The guy Gaines had heard was fixing cases, James Philomena. A very well-accomplished lawyer, good trial lawyer, very flamboyant, flaming red hair. Philomena had held the county prosecutor position for eight years, and he wasn't too worried about Gaines taking it away from him. He was so arrogant and held me in such contempt that he bragged to people that he was only going to spend money on the filing fee. Wouldn't put up a sign, wouldn't do a commercial, nothing. I don't have to spend any money to beat him. But Gaines used up all his savings and borrowed money from family and friends to place ads on local television. He told the people of Youngstown that he was honest and promised to clean up the city. And his message started to land. Across town in his gated mansion, Lenny Strollo had become aware of this new guy running for county prosecutor. Lately, the mob's profits from gambling had been getting smaller and smaller, so Strollo found a more lucrative venture. For a substantial fee, he would fix cases for drug dealers and murderers, and he'd been doing it with the help of county prosecutor James Philomena. 
as a police officer, I've seen the war on our streets, the broken bodies. Strollo heard that this new guy Gaines was clean, that he wasn't going to play ball, that he had plans to bring Strollo's biggest enemy, FBI agent Bob Croner, into the prosecutor's office as a special investigator. A lot was riding on this county prosecutor election. And to Strollo, Paul Gaines was starting to feel like a real threat. If something was going to be done, he would have to do it soon. This is our last chance. Paul Gaines will be a full-time prosecutor. While I was running, we would get a phone call. My secretary or whoever would answer the phone. A very distinctive, raspy voice. Tell Gaines to get out of the race. And of course, I didn't get out of the race. I won by 515 votes. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to True Spies, the podcast that takes you deep inside the greatest secret missions of all time. Suddenly out of the dark, it's appeared in Laden. You'll meet the people who live life undercover. What do they know? What are their skills? And what would you do in their position? Vengeance felt good. Seeing these people pay for what they'd done felt righteous. True Spies from Spyscape Studios. Wherever you get your podcasts. In late 1996, Paul Gaines was elected Mahoning County Prosecutor. But it would be a few months before he would take office. I almost immediately started hearing things, just rumors, people, you know, that I'm not going to take office. The only way I don't take office under Ohio law is if I'm killed. So I started carrying a pistol, taking precautions, being aware of where I'm at, my surroundings. I attended a funeral. This individual comes up to me and he says, I, I want to talk to you. I said, well, let me pay my respects and then I'll see you. He says, okay. We go out in the parking lot and he said, I know some people that want to help you. I said, oh, good. I said, I'm having a Retire the Dead fundraiser, but I've limited the number of tickets an individual can buy to two. So they can buy two tickets for my fundraiser. I'd like to see them there. Who are they? He says, well, they want to help you. I said, well, they buy two tickets for my fundraiser. They're helping me. No, they want to help you. They have 15 grand for you. Who has that kind of money other than organized crime? And I said, I, I, I don't want that money. He said, why not? I said, because I don't want it. I don't need it. I don't want it. He said, how about 20? He starts bidding. <laughs> Then he reached 25000 Then he said, you really don't want the money. And he was shocked. And I said, no, I do not want the money. I ran to put an end to that crap. Gaines's answer made its way back to Lenny Strollo. And Strollo must have felt that he'd only one option left. 
If Gaines wasn't out of the picture by the end of the year, he would take office. And with an honest prosecutor in Youngstown, there'd be no more fixing cases. And maybe no more mob. So Strollo got a hold of his right-hand man, Bernie the Jew Allshuler. And Bernie called Jeff Riddle, his lieutenant on the east side, to recruit some guys to kill prosecutor-elect Paul Gaines. The first was a young drug dealer named LeVance Turnage, who Riddle was close with. The second was a guy Riddle had used in the shooting of defense attorney Gary Van Brocklin and the murder of mobster Ernie Biandillo, another drug dealer named George Wilkins. One day in October of 1996, Paul Gaines was having lunch at a restaurant on the ground floor of his office building. BW3s, that's what the restaurant was called. It's like a sports bar. And of course we knew the bartenders and everybody there. And we're hanging out, drinking some beer, eating our food. While Gaines was distracted with his colleagues, three guys entered the restaurant and sat down at a table. Jeff Riddle, Levance Turnage, and this guy, George Wilkins. I believe we had a 44 and a 380 that day. With the intent on killing him. Sat down, ordered something to eat, and um, just watched him. The plan was to wait for Gaines to go to the bathroom, then follow him in and kill him. But there was a problem. YSU had their homecoming that day. While all the kids came in, it got crowded. With so many witnesses, the hit squad got nervous. Just wasn't, just wasn't right. We felt it wasn't right. It didn't make much sense to try to kill an elected official in a restaurant packed with college kids. The hit squad had to come up with another way. They knew that Paul Gaines lived alone in a suburban area in nearby Boardman. But it was mostly a white neighborhood, a place where three black guys driving around together might draw attention. So Bernie the Jew told Riddle that he needed to find a white guy to kill Gaines. And there was only one white guy Riddle knew crazy enough to kill a county prosecutor. He needed a white guy to blend into the Boardman thing. So, you know, I'm half white, half Italian. Who else but Mark Bacho? Listen, they kept me in the dark from the beginning on that. For a couple days, Bacho drove around Boardman with Jeff Riddle, not really sure why he was there. Eventually, Jeff said who we were there for, Paul Gaines. Jeff asked me what I wanted for this. Bacho only really wanted one thing, to become a member of the Mafia. I want me. That's what I was in it for. Jeff looked at me, and he smiled because that's what he wanted, too. You pull the trigger, and you're in. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory, 
From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. December 24th, Christmas Eve. I was working late. Merry Christmas. I was shutting down my practice, trying to get as many cases resolved as I could. And, and I actually became convinced that what I was hearing was a bunch of garbage, that nothing was going to happen. And so I decided to go out and party and drink with my friends. We're in uh, Jeff's car. It's me, Jeff Riddle, and Antoine Moman Harris. A new guy had joined Mark Baccio and Riddle on the hit squad. Moman Harris was a drug dealer who was about to be indicted for murder. Strollo couldn't fix his case if Gaines was around. So here he was. Jeff Riddle has a list, a handwritten list, of everywhere where Paul Gaines goes. Who gave this list? I don't know, but it was someone who knew Mr. Gaines' movement. Jeff was always driving. He was snorting the heroin like crazy. So we're riding around. We go downtown. Paul Gaines' car is in the parking lot. We got him dead bang. Christmas Eve in my the parking lot served a bunch of bars in downtown Youngstown. So Bacho decided to wait for Gaines to come back and kill him in the parking lot. He took a walkie-talkie, and the other guys drove off to wait for Bacho's call to pick him up. I get on the other side of the building. First thing I do is do the radio check. The radio is not fucking working. Uh, what the fuck? So I walk back over to their car. I said, the fucking radio is working. It's dead. The battery's dead. Now we have to go to get new batteries because Jeff, with his heroin addiction, did not change the batteries, did not charge them. While Bacho and the hit squad were looking for batteries, Paul Gaines ran into a friend. A fellow I grew up with and a good friend of mine. And he asked me if he could borrow my car because his car was at his office a block away. So he took my car. And I remember telling him, there's a pistol in the glove box. It's locked, but, you know, just don't do anything stupid. We go back, car's gone. Paul Gaines is gone. Paul Gaines didn't know it, but he just dodged a bullet. If his friend hadn't taken his car, Bacho would have been waiting for him. As it was, the hit squad moved on, looking for Gaines. They'd been doing drugs all night and were starting to feel ragged. Now it's two in the morning. We'd stop by the donut shop on West Boulevard because he had to get some coffee. So we walk in this place, and everyone's looking at us. Two black guys and a rough-looking white guy. It's 2 in the morning. And the lady gets to talk. Oh, my son, he was a deputy sheriff, and this is an actual cop donut bar. And we're getting ready to go kill the prosecutor. Really bad day, really bad. Jeff's like, I can't believe this. <laughs> we have a coffee and a donut. Get out of there. And we're so tired. No one wants to be out uh, committing those types of crimes 
on Christmas Eve. I'll be home watching It's a Wonderful Life. The crew decides to try one more time. They'll drive by Gaines's house. And we determined that if Paul Gaines is not there, when we get back, we'll, we'll give him another day. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. I stopped and bought cigarettes and cat food because my cats ran out of cigarettes. And I didn't get home until about 10 to 2. You know, I parked in my driveway, left the door open because I was going to feed the cats and let them out. Gaines went inside. And not long after that, the hit squad arrived. The gun did this giant 357, which we never tried before and didn't test fire. I got sweatpants. I got nowhere to put this. I got no holster. It's not going to stay up. I just can't walk down the street like this. They pushed me out of the car. I got one glove on my right hand. My mask is not on. Not a problem. I'm so mad. I just want to kill him now. And there he is at the top of the driveway. And I'm going up that driveway. I got my head down. And I'm getting closer. He's not moving. He's standing outside his garage, smoking a pipe. The closer I get to Mr. Paul Gaines, I start with the routine. Hey, mister. Hey, mister, do you know where uh, such and such at? And I pull out that gun, I point to his head. And don't you know, I really need some glasses because I'm pretty much night blind. Because I put that gun to the fucking head of a fucking yard cutout, a shadow figure. Bacho had just tried to kill a lawn ornament. Now I am fucking through. I am in that garage, one glove on, don't even pull the ski mask. I don't even care what he looks like or what I look like. I yank open that door. I heard my door open and I looked and I saw the biggest revolver I'd ever seen in my life. And he was pointing at me and yelling something. I have no idea what he was yelling. And I remember saying, oh my God. The slug went through my arm, entered my side, exited my spine. And I remember thinking as I'm going down, I'm going to die. He's laying on the floor. And I'll tell you one thing, Paul Gaines, he never cried out. Not once. Never asked for mercy, never begged for his life, nothing. He just laid there like this. He's just looking up at me. He kept his honor, you know, just like any real man would. He leaned over to finish me off. And I kept trying to pull that fucking trigger, and that fucking thing kept jamming. He's just looking at me and pulling the trigger. I'm actually getting ready to point it at my fucking head, like, why the fuck am I here? I'm out of there. No, I'm trying to get to the next street over and call Jeff and Mo Man to come get me. Jeff was like, is he dead? Is he dead? I said, I, I hit him with two bullets for the gun jam. I see him in the belly. That's the worst wound there could be. And Mo Man said, well, you should have went in the drawer, got the steak knife and finished him. The next thing I remember is waking up, seeing the blood shooting out of my arm. Squirt, squirt. So I'm holding it. Wondering, where is he?
I tried to get up because I had a pistol in the cabinet, but I couldn't get up because I had a busted rib, and I didn't know that at the time. It was two and a half pints of blood loss in four minutes. I know that I'm going to bleed out. So my telephone was a speakerphone. When I had gone down, I'd, the handset had come out of the cradle, so it was dangling. Well, I'm holding my arm, and I hit the speaker button on the speakerphone, no dial tone. I thought that they had cut the wire, but they didn't. One of the slugs had gone through the caller ID, knocking the, the phone service out. But I remembered I had the cell phone for me, so I grabbed the cell phone, called 911. One of my future employees, a sergeant named Paul Andrews, he answered the call. I knew that I was fading, so I just kept repeating, I'm Paul Gaines, I'm the Mahoney County Prosecutor-Elect, I've been shot. Paul Gaines, Prosecutor-Elect. And he says, Paul, <laughs> this is Paul. Paul, oh, you okay? This is Paul. I said, I've, I've been, been shot. shot. All right, I'll get you an ambulance. And the next thing I remember was Borman policeman slapping me awake. And an ambulance crew was there, and they were putting oxygen on me. He brought me back to this miserable existence. And of course, then I'm, now I'm testing my legs because I knew I'd been hit in the back and it hurt like hell. And I was able to move my legs, which made me very happy. They put me in the ambulance and uh, they took me to the hospital downtown. And they didn't use their siren, so I knew that I wasn't fatal. What's interesting about this story is had one event occurred that didn't occur, I wouldn't be here. And if I'd had my pistol, I'm sure I'd have reached for it and I'd have taken the slug here. My arm wouldn't have slowed it down. I wouldn't be here. So it's... Uh, an act of God. With the gunmen still at large, investigators and uniformed officers eyed up every corner of the courthouse today. The need for security wasn't lost on the new prosecutor. I was sworn in at the hospital. Then they had this ceremonial swearing in. It was in the courthouse. You know, they brought this big black van with black windows and cops in their Ninja Turtle outfits surrounding me. And I lost a lot of blood. And it was very, very cold that winter. A crowd of citizens were waiting inside the courthouse. Gaines was sworn in. It's been 14 years since I've had the honor of carrying a badge. It's overwhelming to see so many people here. It makes me want to cry. I want you to know that my cats are fine. <laughs> the, the black one, Spooky, I think has some post-traumatic stress disorder. But my psychologist tells me it's from growing up in a dysfunctional family. <laughs> Some have uh, said that my election was an act of God. I say 
today that my very presence here is an act of God. I only ask for the strength to perform that which God has determined that I perform. This incident will not deter my efforts in any way, shape, or form. Every effort is going to be made to bring those responsible to justice. I will do everything in my power to destroy the perception that one can literally get away with murder in Mahoning County. This I, I do promise by God. swearing-in ceremonies now behind him. Gaines will be starting his first day in office Monday morning here on the third floor, but he says and promises one of the first orders of business will be finding the person who tried to kill him. In those immediate days afterwards, did you think about who might have done it? Every minute of every day. On the next episode of Crooked City, Paul Gaines gets a phone call. She said, I know who shot you. And I said, oh, who shot me? That phone call blows up the mob in Youngstown. Starting at 6 o'clock this morning, FBI agents, along with a variety of local police, started hauling the suspects in. Crooked City is a production of Truth Media in partnership with Sony Music Entertainment. The show is produced by Katherine Sullivan, Alexa Burke, Olivia Briley, and Zach St. Louis. Ryan Swikert is our senior producer. Story editing is by me, Mark Smerling, and Ryan Swikert. Kevin Shepard is our associate producer. Scott Curtis is our production manager. John Cecatelli, our local producer in Youngstown. Fact-checking by Donia Suleiman. George Draving Hicks did the mix. Sound design by George Draving Hicks and Ryan Swikert. Music by Kenny Kusiak and Marmoset. Our title track is Hurricane Heart Attack by the Warlocks. Continue the conversation with us online by tweeting at Crooked City Pod. That's at Crooked City Pod. If you've enjoyed Crooked City, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps other people find the show. And thanks for listening. Listening.